The following recording is a presentation of the Berean Baptist Church of Rohnert Park, California, and of Pastor Val Mark Smith. We are an independent Baptist congregation committed to the accurate presentation of the historical doctrines of the faith. We welcome your visit to our services anytime here in the Rohnert Park area. Again, it's an honor for us to be here. Uh, thank you for supporting my family and I. Let's get started. Uh, let's go to First John chapter four. First John chapter four. I thank you for the music. You know, behind the scenes, we don't always see people practice choir practice and all the effort that you put into it. And I thank you um, for that you do. I think it was appropriate that special love lifted me. It's very interesting. A lot of people have no idea what love is. In fact, what is the true definition of love? Should I look it up in the dictionary? If I do look up in the dictionary, do I grab an Oxford English dictionary? Do I grab a Merriam-Webster dictionary? Do I grab a Longman? Which dictionary would you, would you grab? What dictionary do you have on your bookshelf in your library? Do we need to ask the five Supreme Court justices who redefine marriage when the old definition of marriage was nothing wrong with it? First John 4. If you want to know what the definition of love is, we have it right here in the Word of God. Amen. First John chapter 4, verse number 7. We'll read down through verse number 11. Um, can we, uh, is it all okay if you're able to stand? If you could stand up for the reverence of the reading of the word of God. First John chapter 4, verse number 7 through 11 here. Now, I'll be honest with you. In Beijing, I usually preach over an hour. And part of it's because I'm still learning Mandarin Chinese. And sometimes, if you, un- you probably don't understand this, but the way Chinese speaks sometimes is not very straightforward. <laughs> so it sounds like it, it takes a little bit longer to uh, get across what you, what you want to teach and preach. So it takes a little bit longer. And, um, but I will not spend an hour using English. Uh, um, but I'm going to speak real fast. If you could please listen just as fast. And uh, normally when I preach, I like more responsive preaching. I don't expect you to just passively listen. Uh, so if there's some questions, you don't have to answer out loud, but maybe just... Answer quietly in your heart and your mind. Um, but if, you, if I were to ask you, what, how would you define love? I mean, would you need to look it up in a dictionary? Um, how would you define love? Is it just a feeling? You know, I have feelings for you. I'm attracted to you, so I think that we should get married. And when the feeling is gone, do you just say, all right, let's get a divorce? I mean, some people, their, their idea of love is extremely shallow. So how would you define love? First John chapter 4, verse number 7. Let's read verse 7 through 11 together. Beloved, let every one of us for love... I'm sorry. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. And everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. I'm sorry, are we there? First John chapter 4? Verse 8. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is... What? God is love. So if we don't know God personally, guess what? We, we, don't, we don't have the... We have no idea what love is. If you don't know God. Verse 9. In this was manifested the love of God toward us, because that God sent His only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through Him. Here in His love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us, and sent His Son to be the perpetuation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. Let's look to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank You for this opportunity where we could draw not to God. And we have this wonderful promise that You draw not to us. Father, I pray that You would Help me, Lord, that may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. I pray, Lord, that you would help us redeem, redeem the time, for the days are evil, and to understand what the will of the Lord is. 
Father, I pray that you would help me to speak clearly, to speak to exalt Christ, and to help my brothers and sisters here to go in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. And if there's anyone here who does not know you, I pray that you would grant that lost individual to see that they need to be reconciled with you, that you would grant them repentance unto life. Lord, we please help everything that I say, every syllable, Lord, not be wasted. As Lord, I thank you for saving me. Thank you for giving my life eternal value. And Lord, help me to speak for you. And Lord, to be a blessing to you, first and foremost, and to your people. We ask this thing, these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. As we look at 1 John 4, verse number 7, it says, Beloved. Who is, who is being addressed here? It's always important as we look at Scripture. Is This portion of Scripture, is it written to an unbeliever or to a believer? Actually, the entire first book of John is written to an unbeliever or believer. And isn't it interesting, as we try to teach people, we need to always first understand who is this written to, who is it written for. Is that right? Many times, as we're trying to help people who are in darkness, and they need the Lord, uh, what book would you recommend them first read from the Bible? You give them a Bible, and they're wondering, well, what should I read first? Well, First John was written specifically to believers. Is that right? It says, Beloved. So it's written to brothers and sisters in the Lord Jesus Christ. It says, Let us love one another. Why do we need to be reminded to let us love one another? Because if we're not careful, we, we live in a world that, for the most part, most people, don't, they don't know God. And because they don't know God, they have no idea what love is. And so, if we're not constantly reading our Bibles, or listening to preaching, or, or, being, or if we're not around good Christians, enjoying good Christian fellowship, it is very, very easy for you and I to be influenced by the ideologies of this world. Is that right? And that's, that's really true. So here it says, Beloved, let us love one another. It's almost as to say the Apostle John is reminding his fellow believers uh, in his day to remind them, hey, we need to love one another. And so we need to be reminded, and we need to be encouraged, and sometimes we need to be even, somebody needs to explain to us what true love really is, lest we be influenced by the world around us, who know not God. Let us love one another, for love is of God. So where is the source of love? It's from God himself. And everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. Verse 8, he that loveth not, knoweth not God, for God is love. Now look at verse 9. And this was manifested, or was made obvious, made visible. The love of God toward us, because... Now, why is this important that, God, that this love is manifested? Because we live in a world that has absolutely no idea what, what real love is. Divorces. What's the divorce rate these days? Half? I'm glad that God's love was manifested toward who? It was toward us. Now let's stop one moment here. Because I know I mentioned that First John is written primarily to believers. And John again addresses believers in verse 7. says, Beloved. But look at verse number two, chapter 2. Chapter 2, verse number 2. Okay, so the love of God was manifest. It was made obvious. It was revealed to us. It was made visible. It was made, it was toward us. The beloved believers. But look at chapter 2, verse number 1. My little children, these things I write unto you that ye sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And he is the propitiation. That's a big word. That's a fun word. Anyone know what that means? 
Propitiation, which means he was a satisfaction. He satisfied the just demands of a holy God. Is that right? He's a propitiation for our sins, okay? He's written beloved, he's written to believers. But notice verse number 2, and not for ours only, but also for who? For the sins of the elect. It says for the sins of the whole world. So I'm thankful that God's love was manifested not just to fellow believers, but to the whole world. When was it manifested? Let's go back to chapter 4. When was it manifested? Because I know we're familiar with John 3.16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And here, verse, verse 9 of 1 John 4, In this was manifested the love of God toward us, Okay, He was a propitiation for our sins, but not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. It says there, Because that God sent His only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through Him. Verse 10, herein is love. Now here's the definition. Herein is love, not that we love God. Now, this is interesting. Sometimes we need to understand the true definition by explaining clearly what love isn't. And so here it says, this is what love is not. Herein is love, not that we love God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be, here's that word again, the perpetuation for our sins. Now what does this mean? What, okay, let's explain, let's explain all the misunderstanding, misconception of what love is not here. First of all, it says here that love isn't the fact that we love God. It's very clear here. Herein is love, okay? This, this is what love is. It's not that we love God, because we don't love God. In fact, I remember several years ago, uh, three years ago, uh, we were uh, back on a furlough and, and trying to raise additional support as well three summers ago taking a break from, from teaching English during the summer months. And I remember a, a lady at that time, this was three summers ago, and we, I gave out a track to a young lady, and she, this was, she asked me, she was setting me up. She says, uh, what is this? And I told her it was a gospel track, and she said this. She says, well, if you could vote. She says, are you eligible to vote? I said, I could vote. She said, if you could vote, um, would you vote in favor of allowing a certain special people group to marry? And I think you know what I'm, th- what I'm talking about. And I said, I didn't know how, how to answer that. Because that was a very loaded question. And I thought, well, what does that mean? Because I, I, I know that, well, I think I told her the honest truth. But, you know, she was very, very upset. But, you know, it's interesting that some people misdefine love as love just tolerates everything. Love tolerates everything. But it's interesting because if, if I did not accept or tolerate her particular lifestyle, then she would not tolerate me. And, you know, I don't know, many of us who have children, your parents, and, you know, before we eat, not just children, but even as adults, what do we normally do before we eat? Well, we pray, and, well, not Pharisees, but you, we probably ask our children to go wash their hands, right? <laughs> and as they wash their hands, sometimes we use maybe some antibacterial hand lotion or, or soap. So, because we love our children, guess what? Love does discriminate. We're against bacteria. Is that right? Um, you can't say that I love my children or my grandparents. I want them to be in good health, but that we, we tolerate viruses and diseases and bacteria. I mean, that doesn't make any sense. And sometimes you see bumper stickers that says coexist. Have you ever seen those bumper stickers? Now, if, if you love God, that automatically means that you're going to take sides against the devil. Is that right? You're going to say, oh, I love God and I love Satan. 
That doesn't make any sense. That's impossible. So this is what love isn't, okay? It's not that we love God. And in fact, this particular special people group, if they could, they'd be happy to get a hammer and a nail. They'd be the first one to nail Jesus on the cross. They'd say, go away, we don't want you. And indirectly, our sins is what puts Jesus on the cross. I mean, we're a manslayer. If it was not for our sins, Jesus would not have to suffer and die in our place. So it's not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the perpetuation for our sins. So according to verse 10, how does God define love? And how do we understand how God defines love? I'm going to say something that... Please bear with me here. According to verse 10, it would seem to indicate that love is the giving up of one's quality of life in order to improve the quality of life of another. Ever hear that, that term quality of life? You know, can you imagine, now, I mentioned this earlier in Sunday school, but, you know, I didn't make any sacrifice leaving America, leaving the land that my parents worked so hard to leave Hong Kong to fulfill the American dream. Can you imagine that Jesus, he left heaven's glory to come to this earth. He was born in a manger. I mean, you're talking about giving up his quality of life. Now, I don't care if we believe that Hawaii is a nice place, or Roner Park is a beautiful place, or Petaluma or Santa Rosa. But it's a complete step down if you leave heaven's glory to be born in Bethlehem. Does that make sense? He, he gave up his quality of life to improve the quality of life of others. That's why if you were to understand this, this much. If you say, well, what about Bill Gates? He used to be the CEO, the founder of Microsoft. And he's a, a lot of people would say he is a, phil, a philanthropist. I'm not saying that right. Philanthropist. He's willing to, he's, he's very, he gives a charity. But if we go with this definition, the giving up a one's quality of life in order to improve the quality of the life of someone else. Bill Gates, I don't know how many billions of dollars he has. But let's suppose today that Bill Gates gave you a million dollars. Now, that would improve your quality of life, my quality of life, real fast. But let me ask you this question. Is he really destroying his own quality of life if he lost a million dollars? In fact, if a million dollars, somehow someone hacked into his bank account and took away a million, he probably wouldn't even notice of the booze he has. So is that love? And suppose this. Let me give another definition according to my understanding of verse number 10 here. Because God sent his son. The son was seated at the right hand of the father. He left heaven's glory to come here. How about this definition? The demotion of one's self-imposition to promote the life of another. Let's say, if you will, I don't know who the, the mayor of Rona Park is. Or we know who the president of this country is. But let's say he demoted himself and he decided to promote you to be the president of the United States. I don't think he loves you and I that much. But can you think of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, Jesus Christ, he demoted himself to be what? One, he became sin for us, who knew no sin, that we may be made the righteousness of God in him. He did not think, he did not, he didn't think or thought it, would be, it was robbery to be equal with God, but he took upon him a form of a servant. Is that right? To serve you and I. So he, he gave up his quality of life to improve the quality of someone else, others, and he demoted himself so others could be promoted. 
Do you know one day, if we're faithful, Jesus says, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful regarding a few things. I'll make you ruler over many things. Love. That's what true love is. Verse 11, Beloved, again, uses this wonderful term of endearment. Beloved, if God so loved us, we are also to love one another. Now we need to ask another question. How did God love us? He gave, us his own, he gave up his own quality of life in heaven to improve our quality of life. And let me add this as well. Although you have some uh, philanthropists like Bill Gates who would give up to, to charity, and he may improve the quality of, of, of life for others, but you know it's very temporary. Because one of these days, these people, they may eat a little better, they may have better shelter, they may have clothing, but one of these days they're going to die. And when they face God's judgment, God's wrath, there is no quality of living in the lake of fire. Is that right? So that is not love. And I don't know what his motivation is, but it's not love. Look at verse um, number 19. Verse number 19 of chapter 4. It says here, we love him. That pronoun is in reference to God because he first loved us. Did you know that we cannot give what we do not have? We cannot love God because if we don't know him, we, we don't have love. It's as if almost to say, if, you know, now that I have children, if I were to tell my, my boys to say, you know, I want you to buy your mother a Mother's Day gift, a Christmas gift, or, or her, a birthday gift for her. But guess what? They're four and two years old. They do not have a job. They cannot earn money. So how can they go somewhere to buy a gift for their mother if they have no money? Unless I first give them money. And then they have something to give, amen? So we, it's clear that we do not love God and we would not be able to love Him unless He first loved us. Amen? So who are we actually? Are we cute? Are we lovable? We're not lovable at all. We're sinful. We're wicked. We're God-haters. But in spite of that, God still loved us. He satisfied the just demands of a righteous God. He went to the cross... We understand that the penalty of sin is the death penalty. The wages of sin is death, and death and hell are cast in the lake of fire, which is the second death. And on that cross, I'm so thankful that he suffered and died and bled for your sin and mine. So that he could give us life, and yea, life more abundantly. Is that right? To improve our quality of life. Now let's examine a little further. Let's go back to chapter 3. Chapter 3. I'm going to go quickly looking at the time there. Chapter 3, verse number 16. Look at this quickly here. Chapter 3, verse number 16. It says, Hereby perceive we the love of God, because he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoso hath this world's goods, and seeth his brother have need, and shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? Let's go back to verse 16 for a moment here. How do we perceive, how do we comprehend or understand the love of God? What did he do? He laid down his life for us. Let's stop for a moment here. Let's park for a minute. He laid down his life. When Jesus was crucified, was he crucified alone? No, there were, there were two others besides him. And he was in the midst. Now, imagine, if, if you will, um, I'm not sure who was crucified first. Maybe the other two were crucified before our Lord. 
But the other two thieves that died beside them, when they were nailed to the cross, do you think they were nailed willingly? Or do you think they were trying to fight the, the Roman soldiers? I mean, do you think they, they, they just, okay, let me, let me just lay down here. Ah, all right. Okay, all right. Okay, here, nail here, please. Okay, nail here. Right, yeah, nail, okay, yeah. I mean, do, do you think they just laid down? It says, yeah, you know, I, I, I'm guilty. I, I'm, I'm a rotten thief and, and whatever other crimes he committed, I'm worthy of the death penalty. I'll just lay, just, I'll just lay down. Just, just nail me. That's fine. Do you think they did that? I, it's hard for me to imagine that they did that. I think they just tried to fight to the very end. But when they got to Jesus, do you think he was fighting? I know it's ridiculous to think that Roman soldiers could nail the Son of God. The one who spoke the word into existence said, let there be light, and there was light. And while on the day of his arrest, he says, who are you seeking? He says, Jesus of Nazareth. He says, I am he. And they fell over. He laid down his life. Verse 16. It says, the second part, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. Let me explain this, and I'll be honest with you. For a long time, I had no idea what that meant. It wasn't until I was preparing this message in Chinese that the Lord finally opened opened my, my eyes of understanding. For the longest time, I thought, does that mean I need to be willing to die for, for my Christian, Christian brother and sister in the Lord? Does that mean that if there's a man with the gun, I'm willing to jump in front of one of my brothers in Christ and just take the bullet for them? What does that mean? Does that mean that if there's a drunk driver about to hit someone, I'm going to run and push my, my brother in the Lord in the way and I get run over instead? What does that mean? Lay down my life. Notice verse 18 here. No, I'm sorry. It's verse number 17. It says, But whoso hath this world's good, what an interesting term. This world's good. And seeth his brother have need, and shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him. How dwelleth the love of God in him? Now here's an important question to ask ourselves. Did Jesus only demonstrate his love when he died on the cross? How old was Jesus when he died on the cross? Historians would say about 33, is that right? So was that the only time that Jesus demonstrated his love to, to his disciples? That means the rest of the 33 years until he laid down his life, he was willingly, he willingly was nailed to the cross for your sin and mine. The rest of his time, he was vacationing on this earth. That is not what that, what that is talking about here. But for the longest time, I was saying, what does that mean? He laid down his life for us, and that's how we, we ought to be willing to lay down our life for the brethren. What does that mean? That means I need to be willing to die for my brothers and sisters in the Lord? So I need to wait for that one time a heroic act. I'll take a bullet for somebody. I'll be run over for somebody. That is not what that means. Because we look at verse number 17 there. It says, if we have this world's goods, and we see that there's a brother who have need, 
And here's an important aspect of love. You know what love does? It meets the needs of others. Amen? If you have need, but you shut up with your bowels of compassion, how, how can you say that God's love is, is in us? Let me go quickly here with a few moments that we have together. Please turn with me to uh, Luke. Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10. There's an interesting story here. Luke 10. Let me illustrate this. I'll just give a good Bible illustration here. Luke chapter 10. And let me explain something about my immaturity and... <laughs> from this text. And I'll be honest, the Chinese culture and even myself, I used to think that I was very, I was very frugal. I knew how to save money. But as I looked at this text, this text really convicted me. It really did. Luke chapter 10, verse number 25. This story is usually referred to as the Good Samaritan. Have you ever heard that term? The Good Samaritan? But I reminded, Jesus says, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one, that is God. Again, we could not love unless he first loved us. So there's nothing good about us. The only thing good about us is the fact that we've been born again by the Spirit of God. Luke chapter 10, verse number 25. And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tempted him. So his motivation was wrong. He came to tempt the Lord, saying, Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Verse 26. And he said unto him, What is written in the law? How readest thou? Jesus asked questions. That's why I'm asking questions this morning. Get you thinking here. Okay, be, be active as we study God's word together. How readest thou? Verse number 27. And he, an, and he answering said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul, with all thy strength and with all thy mind and thy neighbor as thyself. And he said unto him, Thou hast answered right, this do, and thou shalt live. Was his answer wrong? Because the other uh, part of the Bible that defines love is the great charity chapter of 1 Corinthians 13, Right? But what does 1 Corinthians 13 say? Well, we can look at that moment. But if, if I should have faith to rule mountains, or if I should have all knowledge to understand all mysteries, but if I don't have charity, I am nothing. Is that right? So here, he gives the right answer. Jesus did not correct him. He says, you know, thou has answered right. This doing thou shalt live. The problem this morning, Brian Baptist Church and friends here, is that none of us has loved the Lord thy God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength. In fact, if we just do a simple test or, or a quiz here. Some people believe that if they go to church once a week on Sundays, that God should be satisfied with that. Now, I'm not very good with math, but every week has 168 hours in the week. If we give God one or two hours to church services, we're not even giving God 1% of our time. So we fail miserably in the, fulfilling the greatest commandment. But look at verse 28. And he said unto him, Thou, I'm sorry, uh, uh, you've answered right this do and thou shalt live. Well, it, it is true if, if you're able to do this, but none of us have. Is that right? None of us have. We've all seen it come to the glory of God. There's none that do good, no, not one. Uh, verse number 29. But he, willing to justify himself, he was not there to justify God, but himself, said unto Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Stop for a moment. This is an interesting question. The first thing Jesus said was what? He says, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy strength and thou and with all thy mind and thy neighbor as thyself. He completely skipped over loving God with all our what? Heart, soul, strength, and mind. He, put, he just skips over that. 
He just says, hmm, let me try to justify myself here. All right, master, who's my neighbor? Do you see a problem here? Isn't, isn't that the problem much of the world? Hey, I'm a good person. I walk my dog. Sometimes I walk my neighbor's dog. I might even cut their grass sometimes. Well, if you still have grass because there's a drought here. But, you know, I mean, it's, it's unbelievable. He, he completely skips over the first one that talks about loving God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength. He says, okay, well, who's my neighbor? Wait, wait, so are you telling me that the, the first one, you've already got that one down? Isn't that the problem with our word today? They haven't repented toward God for our failure to please Him. But he, he asks, who's his neighbor? Now let's, let's continue on with the story here. And Jesus answered him, verse number 30. A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves, which stripped him of his raiment and wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. And by chance there came down a certain priest that way, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. And likewise, a Levite, when he was at the place, came and looked on him and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion on him. Either we have compassion, or we shutteth up the bowels of our compassion, as we read in John 3, verse 17 there. And went to him, and bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine, and set him on his own beast, and brought him to an inn, and took care of him. And on the morrow, when he departed, he took out two pence and gave them to the host, and said unto him, Take care of him, and whatsoever thou spendest more, when I come again, I will repay thee. What do we see here? Because it says that we, we ought to lay down our lives to the brethren. Whosoever has his world's goods. We're going to, we're going to shut up our bowels of compassion. Here we see the Samaritan met the physical need of this dying man. He was left half dead, wasn't he? He was stripped of thieves. Now, let me, I'll be honest with you about myself. For a, for a long time, I, I thought, boy, I, I'm very thrifty, I'm frugal, I know how to save money. And then when I read this, I realized, you know what? I'm stingy. That's very stingy. And let me give you some examples of this. Many years ago, when I was attending Bible college, if, if I were to run across the same situation, I would look at a man half dead, this is what, this is what I would do, honestly. I mean, honestly, this is what I would do. I would say, seeing that you're probably going to die soon, and you're probably going to face God's judgment, let me preach the gospel to you, and I hope you better trust Christ, you better repent before you end up in the lake of fire. Because I'm not going to take every medical needs. I'm not going to try to help you physically. I'm just going to give you the gospel. So you better be ready to turn or burn. Trust or rust. And, and, and that's, I mean, that was my whole attitude. I said, you know, this guy needs medical attention. Forget that. Here's a gospel check. Hey, you need, you need Jesus right now. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Don't you know? Do it right now. You know, I remember I made so many mistakes. I remember in 1999, uh, we were in the midst of starting Los Angeles Baptist Church, and I, did not, I declined to go to my own cousin's wedding. Of which, hopefully, he'll only be married once, hopefully. But I did not go because I was involved in a church plant. I was so involved, but I need to serve God. We need to get this church started in inner Los Angeles. And I decided to send him a wedding gift. Do you know what I sent him? I sent him a book written by Charles Haddon Spurgeon, All of Grace. I sent him a book so that he could get saved. I wanted him to know the gospel. I, didn't, I did not go to his wedding. 
I did not buy him anything practical for his marriage. I said, here's a book by C.H. Spurgeon, All of Grace. Get saved. And that's what I did. To this day, my relationship with my cousin is not very good. I remember for the longest time, even with my brother, uh, every time it was Christmas or something, I, you know, I, I mean, here I am, I'm thinking, hey, I care about your soul, don't you know? It's eternal. But I, I completely neglected their, their physical needs. And when I get the story here, this man, he didn't just say, well, boy, let me give him the gospel. He's dying here. What did he do? Let's look carefully again. What did he do here? Verse 33, the end, he had compassion on him. Verse 34, he went to him. He bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine, and set him on his own beast, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. Verse 35, And on the morrow, the next day, when he departed, he took out two pence and gave them to the host, and said unto him, Take care of him. Whatsoever thou spendest more, when I come again, I will repay thee. This was not a one-time act of, Boy, Jesus laid down his life on the cross. I'm going to lay down my life whenever there's a bullet coming at you. Or maybe there's a drunk driver, and I'm going to get run over for you. And I'm just do a one-time act to show my love for you the rest of the time. If you have physical needs or any other needs, um, pray about it. I, I'm, I'm busy. No, this man, I don't know his, his salary, I don't know his position, but he gave up his time, his money, and he was willing to say, you know, it's, it was a continuous act. I'm going to go back and visit you. And if we're laying down our lives to the brother, it's the idea of daily we're thinking of others. And sometimes it's going to, you know, our life, it's like an hourglass. You know what an hourglass is? I wish I, I brought one. But on the top of the hourglass is sand that's trickling down to the bottom. And one day, the top portion is all the sand will be gone and our life is over. But as we lay down our lives for the brethren for each other, let's just give a practical example here. Let's say some of us, we have a hobby, we like golfing, and we decide, hey, there's someone coming from the airport, I'm going to stop that one or two hours of golf, and I'm going to go pick up someone else from the airport. Do you know that time that just dropped from your hourglass, it's gone forever? And you have laid down your life and saying, hey, I could go enjoy another round of golf, but it's not about me. I'm going to go be a blessing to someone else. Can I just put it practically speaking? You know, it's not trying to be a hero and let me take a bullet for you like Jesus laid down his life on the cross. It's not just simply, hey, there's a junk job, let me, let me get run over for you. But it's every single day we have an opportunity to lay down my life, to give maybe a little bit of my quality of life to improve the quality of your life. And in some instances, it may require the, the willingness to, to shorten my own life to extend your life, the life of someone else. And so, um, you know, let's, we're going to finish up the story. Verse number 36 here. This is interesting. Which now of these, Jesus asked this lawyer, which now of these, thinkest thou, was neighbor unto him that fell among the thieves? Verse number 37, and he, and he said, He that showed mercy on him. Then, Jesus, then said Jesus unto him, Go and do thou likewise. You know what's interesting in this whole story? This lawyer, every answer he gave was correct. Did you notice that? Because in verse number 28, Jesus said to him, Thou hast answered right, this do, and thou shalt live. And what do we see again? Verse 37, he said, He that showed mercy, then said Jesus, he never corrected him. He had all the right answers. But if you don't have charity, compassion, you don't have love, we're nothing. Why? Because he, he didn't know God. Because God is love. So it's not, do I have all the right knowledge? 
The question this morning is we need to consider, do we know God? And if we know Him, do we know Him well enough where He is influencing your life, not the world is influencing us, but influencing us so that we can go and love Him and to love our neighbors as ourselves? Because it's very clear here. He, he told them, your answer is right. He says, go and do thou likewise. Go and do thou likewise. Let me just look at, uh, let's see, two other portions of the and then we're done. Look at the clock. We're almost out of time here. James chapter 2, James 2. James 2, verse 14 to 17. James 2, verse 14 to 17. James 2, verse 14 to 17. It says this, What doth it profit, my brethren, though a man say he hath faith and have not works, can faith save him? If, if a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food... And one of you say unto him, Depart in peace, be ye warmed and filled, notwithstanding ye give, them, ye give them not those things which are needful for what? To the body. Is that right? Uh, what doth the prophet? Even so faith, if it hath not works, is dead being alone. So it's not enough to say, Well, I care about your soul. Your soul, your soul. But we neglect, we neglect the body. Um, Proverbs. Proverbs 3. Proverbs 3, verse 27, 28. Proverbs 3, verse 27, 28. Are we okay this morning? Proverbs 3, verse 27, 28. And I'm not going to neglect your body. I know we need to eat lunch soon. Amen? So I will not neglect the needs of our body here. Proverbs 3, verse 27, 28. Okay, we're, we're almost landing here, okay? Verse, Proverbs 20, uh, 3, verse 27, 28. It says, Withhold not good from them to whom it is due, when it is in the power of thine hand to do it. That means you have the, the, the ability... Okay, say not unto thy neighbor, go and come again, and tomorrow I will give thee, when thou hast it by thee. So next time you see a man who's stripped because of thieves, and who have beaten him and left half dead, what would you and I do? We have time, we have the resources, we say, tomorrow, I'll help you tomorrow. How do we lay our, 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 our lay down our lives for the brethren? I will just go back quickly to remind us. Hereby perceive we the love of God because he laid down his life for us. Not just on the cross. Because Jesus spent time with lepers. He also washed his disciples' feet, right? It wasn't just a one-time act. We ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. Verse 17. But whoso hath this world's good and seeth his brother have need and shut up with his... Shut up, shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? Are we willing to help each other's physical needs? Amen? I think it's very, very important here. Jesus says, go and do thou likewise. Amen? Let's close your prayer. Thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to speak. God, I pray that you'd help us to meditate on these things. And Lord, help us to not just be here, but be a doer of thy word. And bless Pastor Smith now as he concludes the service. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this presentation of the Berean Baptist Church of Ronan Park, California. If you would like further information about our church, please feel free to call us at area code 707-584-7275 or write to us at Berean Baptist Church, 6298 Country Club Drive, Ronan Park, California, 94928. Additionally, you may visit us on the World Wide Web 
at www.bebaptist.org.